a wee verse that come to me. Um, I was in the world for so long and in a lot of darkness, but this wee verse came to me, and it's John 8, verse 12, and it says, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And I suppose in a way that sums up my story, really, is um, how I came out of darkness into the wonderful light um, of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and how it's a continual work, how we've got to stay and stay close to the Lord and stay in that light uh, and not step in back uh, into darkness. Um, but my story begins, I suppose, I was born in the wee village of Ocker in County Tyrone to a family of six boys and one girl. And this is one of them here sitting beside me. He's the younger one, but one girl. The family, she was in the middle. See, there was three boys and um, then the girl, uh, my sister, and three other boys. And now before you actually feel sorry for her, she could look after herself, believe me. I think I'm still traumatised by being chased around the house with a mop and a brush, you know, after coming in and dirtying the floor on her, you know, uh, even to this day. But no, she was able to look after herself. So, but um, we grew up in Ocker and went to the wee primary school there in Ocker. Um, can't say it was overly enjoyable now, because normally people would say they enjoy their time at school in a primary school, but I think I would have enjoyed it, apart from the fact the headmaster um, sort of modelled himself on, I think, somebody like Rudolf Hess at Auschwitz, you know. Um, he, he, he just had any... Uh, opportunity, he'd lift a stick and wallop you with it um, at the slightest misdemeanour, you know. So I think that took away my enjoyment slightly of, of primary school. But um, got through it anyway, unscathed. And at that stage, I went to a wee Sunday school in Dungannon, independent Methodist. And my mum and my dad, who sadly passed away earlier this year, brought us up. Uh, to know and to love the Lord. We were brought up in a Christian home and uh, it was great that we had that teaching because it's always true, if you have that teaching from a young age, you never forget it. No matter how deep you go into the world, and believe me, I went deep into the world, but no matter how deep you go into the world, you'll always remember that. And even my wife um, and her two boys and Jeannie worked so hard with her two boys when she was young, and she took them to Sunday school faithfully and to church faithfully, and all their friends, none of them were going to Sunday school at this time, none of them were going, and they didn't want to go, but Jeannie took them faithfully, and, you know, one of them, um, the two boys are uh, 28 and 29 now, or coming 28 and 29, and I think it was Aaron said to Jeannie the other day, he says, you know, Mum, I'll never forget what I was taught when I was young. And basically he was thanking her for take, taking him to primary, or to Sunday school, you know, to learn about God and things of the gospel. Because all his friends all missed out and all that, you know. So she struggled, but I believe it's all worth it. And, and they've drifted away, but I believe the Lord will draw them back to himself. But anyway, when I was young, um, I made a profession when I was young, but I suppose like we all do, we go to missions, you go to things like that there, and you... 
It's more a case if you're more scared than anything sort of thing into, into making a profession because, you know, the, minute, the, the, the preacher's right. He's right. He talks to you about hell. He talks to you about heaven and hell. But as a young person, you're a wee bit scared. You're a wee bit traumatized. And you think to yourself, you know, I better do something here, you know, before I'm thrown into this lake of fire, which is real. But I made a profession and there wasn't really that much to it. But I think a lot of Maybe me all of my brothers were in the same sort of boat, made a young profession as well. But you drift away, you drift away. And I went to, uh, left Auckland Primary School, went to Five Mill Town Secondary School, and no interest in studying at all. Only real interest was football, and as soon as I could get out to play football, and come home and play football, and that was really my major interest. Like, But anyway, somehow I managed to do well enough uh, to go to university, I went to university and I was accepted to do a civil engineering degree uh, at Jordanstown. So, ended up at Jordanstown. And, you know, most people think university is a great opportunity. Um, but to me, it turned out to be the worst thing I ever done, was going to university, because it opened up a life of sin and darkness to me that um, I'd never have got involved in if I'd have stayed at home. I'm convinced of that, you know. But we, um, it really started up, I suppose, after every lecture. Gee, I went to the halls of residence at Jordanstown. Um, I didn't have any Christian friends with me. The, the, all the fellows who were there, none of them were Christians. Most of them were Catholic fellows, but they were dead-on fellows. They were good lads and all that, but they were all into drinking and all that sort of stuff, you know. So I got involved in all that at a very young age. Um, I was only there a short period of time. And it was the one thing after a lecture, where did you head? You went to the student's union, places I got there, and you spent the evening drinking, you know. And that's the whole culture I got involved in. And it, it was something to look back on and I just realised that's where my problems really started, you know. And if I'd have stayed at home, some of my brothers stayed at home, didn't go on. I know Johnny went on and done a degree and he's he's um, didn't get involved in the same sorts of things that I got involved in. But, listen, that's all part of my past. So, anyway, I'd done a couple of years, um, civil engineering degree, and then I'd done a year out. They'd always send you for a year out. Hey, you've done a year out with a company called MyVan and they they um, they weren't overly interested in training you at all they just wanted you to do a job but they gave me a job as a foreman on a building site I don't, I don't know, I was under a fellow for a couple of months and then they gave me a job of just being the foreman on the building site but it didn't suit me at all because we were out at night and then I had to get up in the morning and many a day I got up and I really went round to the site and I opened up the site and let the boys in to get their stuff and I just closed up and all the way home again. Jumped into bed and just says, listen, if any of the bosses come, just phone me because I leave the phone beside the bed because I just wasn't in a good shape a lot of that time, you know. But anyway, I'd done my four years, got a job then with a civil engine firm, engineering firm in Belfast. Um and just off the Lisburn Road, and I started with them. Things that was fine, things were going well um, with them. But then um, one of my mates uh, who'd been with the university, he got a job in 
Amsterdam and he, he done computer programming and he got a job in Amsterdam with the Dutch lottery and now they're paying him colossal money so he sort of couldn't turn it down he said so he went to Amsterdam but he um, and started he invited me and some other fellas over to the, over to Amsterdam and we went over and it was an awful place um, because it's a beautiful city but it's a very what you'd say a dark and sort of sadistic underbelly to that entire city um, and of course as young lads we went over and we got involved in all this you know and it was just dark and it was depraved and you know it it wasn't good um, and I, I believe that was the start of Satan getting a real grip on my life you know things like that with the start of Satan getting a real grip on my life you see you open up you leave yourself open to Satan you leave yourself open to the devil getting a real grip the devil, the demons, the demonic side getting a complete grip on your life you know you can make mistakes the way I look at it is I made I don't blame anybody else for the sort of the depth I get into I made the mistakes myself I made the decisions myself but when you make the decisions and you open those doors the devil he comes in and there's no doubt about it he comes in and he takes you to a very very dark place but anyway, we used to, went over there, the likes of Amsterdam. We used to go over to England as well. We used to go over to football matches in England. And they would just turn out to be like drinking weekends and stuff like that there. But, um, you know, all that was part of the spiral that I was in at this stage, you know. Um, was in and out of relationships. Really didn't stay in, and out, in any relationship for any great length of time. Just... It just felt like my life was spiraling downwards, and there was nothing much I could do about it. I felt there was nothing much I could do about it. I was in the, I was in the, I was working in Belfast. How I was holding down a job, sometimes I wondered, but I was in Belfast. But you know, we're just in the whole social aspect and going away, and you know, and um, it's it, it come to a head one time. My boss actually had a word with me too, and he said to me, you know, he could, he boss who was working in Belfast, he sort of spy, I thought. Things weren't just great. He's a real good fella. He was a real good fella, very patient with me and all, a real good fella. And But I think he even at a time felt that things weren't just right. And it was around this time too that... See, he used to come home... There's, there's all the time I'd come home up to Tyrone at times and I would help Wesley, my brother. He was landscape gardening. And there's days I'd come up home and I would help him um, with work as well and I think he thought too there was things weren't right at all and he said to me he says the best thing you could do is leave Belfast come up uh, leave all that culture behind leave all the you know all that drinking everything leave it all behind he says come back up to him cut your ties leave your job come back up he says I'm so busy at the minute I could nearly do with another person you know so I thought to myself thought about this and I thought to myself well this yes this is probably would be an option. I didn't like. I thought you know Belfast earning good money and all that, but um, you know I'm going to throw my career away. I thought too, but then I thought to myself, you know, what good's my career? What the way I'm carrying on, sort of thing, you know. So anyway, it turned out that's what I done. Just made the decision, left Belfast, quit my job, and come back home, back to Trone. Started working with my brother. 
I uh, started going to the wee church in Five Mile Town. I thought, it, you know, um, the Five Mile Town Independent Methodist Church, it was that stage, it was Ian Humphreys was the minister. Ian's a real good fella. He's been a good help to me over the years. And Ian uh, was the minister there. And he, I chat, many a chat with him. And Ian was trying to edge me always in the right direction and take me away from... Because there was, there was, you know, even when I was up, there was draws back, you know, and I had plenty of good chats with him. And um, there was another thing happened to me when I started going as well to Town Independent Methodist Church. I um, met an amazing person, someone who was later to become my wife, and she's I can't can't speak highly enough of her. Jeannie sitting over here. Uh, she's a wonderful, wonderful person. Um, since I met her, like we've had her ups and downs, but she's been with me every step of the way, and uh, she really is just an amazing. She's, you know, when anybody I ever met before doesn't they come anywhere close. Like she's such an amazing person, amazing person, amazing everything, you know. Um, but I still wasn't back to the Lord at this stage. I still hadn't come right back to the Lord, but um, I knew the Lord was working on my heart, so. Um, it wasn't until January 2008 that I um, was, had been talking and talking to Ian and, and through various other things, there's various other things happened in my life that I just thought it's time I give my life back to the Lord. So in January 2008, I just sat down, I was on my own, sat down in my room and I just says, Lord, I made a mess of my life, completely made a mess of my life. But if you can do something with me, anything with my life, just take my life and use it anyway for your glory. And thank the Lord, that night the Lord came into my life. That was in January uh, 2008. Um, and things went well um, for quite some time after things, you know, things went well, were going well. But after a while, after a while, I felt a pulling back, you know. I just felt, and I couldn't understand it. Like, what, what? Like, I'm a Christian now. What? What's happening here? I'm being pulled back into the world, um, and it's like I was. I was listening to um, Stephen Riddle at the lifeboat, and Stephen Riddle said that he was saved, and as a year later, he sat down in his bedroom and he just says, "Lord, I'm saved." A year here now. And if this is all there is to it, I'm going back into the world. Like, I'm, I'm, I've had enough, you know, because I don't feel anything, you know. He said, there's nothing, um, there's nothing to this. He said, there must be something more, you know. Um, and it was actually my wife, because I felt this real, real pulling back, and it was actually my, my wife said that she had listened to a sermon from a, a dear old man of God called Eric Lewis. And Eric Lewis had spoke on something that she had never heard before, and it was about how you can open yourself up to the demonic. If you've been involved in something really, really deep and dark and satanic, you can open yourself up to the demonic. So Jeannie had mentioned to me about, Stephen, would you not speak to Eric Lewis? Because there could be something in your past that has drawn you back and holding you back. So... I thought to myself, no, I mean, I don't want to get involved in all that. Like, it's not that. That's, that's not the problem, you know. 
But she was pretty sure it was the problem, you know. Jeannie was, and she's fairly clued in. Most things I find she's fairly clued in, you know. Um, but there was definitely pulled back. And this carried on and carried on. Like, and I felt that I'd definitely been drawn back into the world. Like, and I, then it was both Jeannie and Mum mentioned to me about going to see a fella called Alan Bartley. He deals with all this sort of stuff, you know. And I went, eventually, I went to see Alan. And Alan sat me down and Alan talked me through all this. And he says, listen, if you've been in something really, really dark, you can open up. Even though you've asked the Lord in your life, you can still have something there that is that hasn't been removed, hasn't been dealt with, properly, properly dealt with. So I thought to myself, I don't understand this. Like, I'm a Christian, you know. I don't understand how there could still be something there. I mean, if I've asked the Lord into my life, how is there still something there, you know, that would be satanic, demonic, whatever sort of thing, you know. But he says it's possible. He says, I've saw so many, many uh, instances of this happening. So anyway, um, I went to see Alan, I reckon, about five times. And I would say the first four times I went to see him, I would safely say... I might as well have basically been sitting there reading the paper. There was nothing was happening, you know, absolutely nothing happening. I nearly wondered why I was there. But then, I would say it was about the fifth time I wanted to see him. And I don't know where he was getting frustrated with me or whatever, because nothing. But, but he, Alan knows exactly how to dig, and he dug in deep. And he, he must have hit something. He's hit something. Because all of a sudden I started feeling something. There's something happening here. And that night, there was something definitely amazing happened. And I can't explain it. Even to this day, I can't explain it. But what it was, I received definitely some form of deliverance that night of, of what I'd been involved in in the past. And it was... It was amazing. It was something just completely lifted from my body. And it was, a, it, was a, it was an amazing freedom that I received that night. And he could see it. Alan could even see it. He says, you know, that he even, as a left, he says, I think you've, you've got it. I think you've got it, you know. And it was amazing. I achieved an amazing freedom that night that, that really, really, that I did, hadn't felt before. I'd felt this drag and this pull, and all that was gone. It was gone. As soon as I went out and I started going into my life, that was all gone. That drag and that pull and everything into the past was just gone, disappeared. Praise the Lord, it just disappeared. You know, the pull for the old things of the past. And what, what I'd like to say, if you even as a Christian, and this is, this is a strange, because I, I didn't understand this either, but if you're a Christian and you're struggling... You know, there may be something in your life in the past which is which hasn't actually been fully dealt with. I never understood all this. I never understood this myself until I actually went to see Alan and he explained this all to me, how this could happen. And it's not him. It wasn't him. It was the Lord. Just he used the Lord. The Lord used Alan just to do a work in my life. And that's what I would say to you if you're a Christian, you're struggling, you know, don't, don't, there is a joyous life, there's a victorious life out there. As a Christian, as a Christian, you're ready for heaven. You're ready for heaven. Never doubt that. If you've asked the Lord into your heart, you're ready for heaven. And I don't know if this is going to, 
if this is going against an independent Methodist teaching or free Presbyterian teaching or whatever, I can only say what I experienced in my life. But if you're a Christian, you've asked the Lord into your life, you're ready for heaven, but you might still struggle throughout your life. You might not have the joy. You might not have the victory that you should have and that, that the Lord wants you to have throughout your life. And that's what I achieved. That's what I achieved. Well, after I went to see Alan Bartley. And you can achieve it too. But the one thing I found is, and, and like, I, I've, my life, that, that night changed my life forever completely. And the Lord done a great work that night in my life. And I've, I've achieved such freedom. But the one thing I found lately is, you have to, and Alan warned me about this, you have to be very careful to stay close to the Lord. Stay close to the Lord. And the one thing I found was I'd, I started, even over this last, I'd say, year or so, we used to go to the wee Christian group in Oma. And it closed down because the numbers were dwindling, dwindling, dwindling. But we didn't go anywhere else. On Sunday, we didn't go anywhere else. Didn't go to the prayer meeting, didn't go to that. But you know what? You can, you can drift away from the Lord again. So you can so the only way to keep Satan out of your life, and with, this is what Jeannie and me have spoken a lot about lately, the only way to keep Satan at bay in your life is to stay close to the Lord. And you have to be so careful. I'd say I have to be more careful than most people because of what I was involved in in the past. But as a Christian, we have to be so careful to stay close to the Lord. And we've got ourselves back into the wee church in a prayer meeting. Sometimes we go to a couple of prayer meetings in the week and that. But it's the only way to live your life is close to the Lord. And it's the only way the Lord wants you to live your life is to stay close to him. And it's the only way to, you know, you'll have a joyous, victorious life if you put God first in everything and let him have complete control over your life. And that is the only way um, that you will, you know, that you, that you will keep Satan at bay. Because in this, I believe we're in the last days and Satan is going about as a roaring lion. As Bertie Johnson said to us one night, you never read in the Bible about Satan sitting. He's always on the move. You know, we can sit, but Satan's always on the move. So we have to keep him at bay. And in my opinion, the only way to do that is to stay close to the Lord and stay very, very close to the Lord. And that's what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And that's what my wife is determined to do. And um, it's the only way and it's the only life uh, to live. So, listen, that's my story, and thank you, John, for the opportunity to tell my story. And hope that is maybe somebody has heard something there that'll help you um, if you if you are struggling or if you have any issues or anything at all. But thank you, John. Thank you. Ian.